Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand up, please. Welcome all of you watching online. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So glad that you're here, tuned in, joined us. It's very important. In a day like uh, the day in which we're living, uh, it's even more important to press into God and, and, and celebrate. And happy birthday, Chrissy. God bless you, front row. Love front row people. And the rest of y'all, it kind of diminishes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, anyway, it's so good to have all of you. And those of you watching online, let me challenge you today. The question today is, well, you know, we can do church in so many different ways, or can we, and how can we? But the reality is there's something about getting together and gathering to worship God in the house of God that is different. Now, I understand that there are, there are places throughout our country that maybe there's not a church that is, is fitted to the way you like to worship. Uh, but in many, if not most cities, there's a place for you to gather. And I want to encourage you to find a church that you can not just worship in, but you can serve in. This came across social media, and every now and then I like some of the things that come across. It says, a church, as church attendance numbers fade across the nation and online services become very convenient, it's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. Now, please don't miss this, because I'm probably going to irritate some people today. If I do, I will feel like I've had success. Uh, because I believe a lot of our growth is the result of being challenged. Some of the greatest uh, sports teams in history didn't have the best talent. They were just challenged to get the talent out of them. They were challenged to become better, and I believe that's what church is and what it should do. But it goes on to say you can't serve from your sofa. You can't have community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers worshiping together on your sofa. Christians aren't consumers. We're contributors. We don't watch. We engage. We give. We sacrifice. We encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. The church needs you, and you need the church. So very important in, in, you know, it's just, it's amazing to me. The pandemic got everybody out of sync. And uh, as most pastors do, we're always talking to one another, trying to figure out, is there anything that we're missing? Is, is there something we're not doing that uh, would connect those who have faded, uh, connect them back into the church? And it's very important in today's message, kind of uh, falls along those, those lines, I've been doing a series on overcoming pain, or your pain doesn't have to remain. And some of you are ready for this to be done because it's a pain. Every now and then I preach a series that I'm going, I'm really kind of tired of this too. But um, 
the reality is we're, we're in a world, living in a world that is filled with pain right now. Uh, people are struggling like never before, and uh, they're trying to overcome. But this is a whole new uh, enemy that, that we have encountered. And uh, I began this by talking about physical pain being rather obvious. If, if your elbow hurts, your shoulder hurts, your knee hurts, you don't have to be a doctor to go to the doctor and say, my knee hurts. Now, he can diagnose it. You may not be able to, but he can diagnose the problem. And, and it's relatively simple to diagnose, maybe not to fix, but to diagnose. However, when we get into soul pain, mind, will, and emotions, relational pain, professional, vocational pain, oftentimes those are a little more difficult to identify why we don't like what we don't like, why we hurt the way we hurt, why we're encountering depression, why we're struggling. Those are a lot more difficult to, to address, but I want to try to address them and have been trying to address them uh, that oftentimes the way we think will contribute to the way we feel. Now, some people say, well, the way I feel contributes to the way I think. And there's probably truth to both sides of those, but the Bible tells us that we're to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So if I'm thinking a certain way or if I think about something in the past, that affects the way I feel. So if I think about the absence of my Father who is now in heaven, that thought, if I meditate on that thought, it creates a sad emotion for me. So I, I don't mind thinking about it, but I don't want to get up every day and feel the void of not having my Father here on earth. You see what I'm saying? So I have to address that and say, okay, I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to present it to Christ, incarcerate that thought so that it doesn't keep me down throughout the day. Does that make sense? So it's very important that we understand these these symptoms so that we can address them and find the cause. So the symptom is I'm feeling sad. Why am I feeling sad? So we, it's like a doctor trying to diagnose a physical ailment. You're trying to diagnose an emotional ailment, a, a pain that you're feeling. And uh, oftentimes we can get ourselves in a worship environment like this. And as we get our eyes off of what we've been thinking about and put it on Jesus, that begins to disappear because our focus has changed. So church and worship and the Bible and all those things are very, very important to us having a whole soul. And so I began with talking about regret unresolved. There are people that say, man, I really regret. And I, I have thoughts about regret that I sat with my father just before he passed, and, and I wish I would have turned my iPhone on and recorded our conversation. I regret that I didn't. That regret's not going to hold me back or keep me down, but we all have those thoughts. And so I've resolved those, but one of the things that causes pain is regret that is unresolved. I've resolved that I cannot go back and make that happen, so I've addressed it, and I'm good with it. Second thing is anger that goes unaddressed. Regret unresolved, anger unaddressed. Sometimes people are mad, but they don't know they're mad. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you thought, boy, they're really mad. And you say, what are you mad about? I'm not mad. But they're really mad. They're angry. And, and so they, there's something underlying that says, you know what, that, that they haven't really addressed. And it's very important to address that in order to avoid the pain of continually being mad. Have you ever been around somebody, they're just mad all the time? 
there's like nothing good ever happens. It's like I'm, I'm an optimist. I am absolutely an optimist. And I know that that's not always the best because sometimes you need to address things. But I am a realist with optimistic tendencies, more or less. And then there are people who are realistic and extremely pessimistic. And those are the kinds of people you need to look at and say, you're going to live in pain because you're communicating pain. And people wonder why they stay in pain. Can I tell you something? We attract who we are. We don't attract who we want. So if I got around a group of y'all, there's going to be somebody that that has set the, the tone for that group. And if you are a negative, pessimistic group, then somebody in there said, I'm attracting this group of people. And, and so it's very, very important if you want to get over your pain to identify the people in your life and why you might be remaining in pain. Matter of fact, sometimes people get attention from the pain. And they've never had that much attention in their life until they, they experience pain. And they realize that brought them attention. And they like the attention, so they have to keep talking about the pain. I had a cousin like that. And it, she was older than me, but my mother used to talk to my cousin because she was an older, older cousin. And every time she would call, she, she never talked about the good things that were happening. It was always, well, I'm not feeling well. Here's what's happened. I went to the doctor and da-da-da-da-da. And, and, you know, so watch your conversations and watch the people that you're around. If you cannot elevate that person or elevate that group, you may want to exit that group. And uh, because there are people who just love misery they don't like it but they love it because it gets some attention then there's beauty overlooked there's beauty in the world there's beauty in life there's beauty in his holiness there's beauty in his grace there's beauty in his mercy and so we overlook the beautiful things in life because there are a lot of things that are uh, going on in the world that challenge the beauty that exists God is a good God, and there are days that that's all I can say. If I get up and, and it's been a bad week or whatever, I mean, it, it's, I just have to find something beautiful. Like last week, I was babysitting my two grandsons, and uh, there is a reason that you have children young. My, my daughter lives in Miami, and so Susan and I flew there, uh, my son-in-law's uh, was in boot, just graduated boot camp in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and so my daughter was flying there for graduation, <laughs> and uh, I'd get up every morning about six thirty, and and I would take them to school. The school sixteen miles from their house. You'd think in Oklahoma, I'm there in fifteen minutes. Not in Miami. <laughs> I am telling you, it's not hell, but you can see hell from Miami. I mean, literally, I'm not exaggerating. The first day I took them to school, it was an hour commute, 16 miles away. And I am telling you, these people do not have driver's license. It's amazing. And, and so I, what I decided to do, the first day I took the highways, well, you, you, you guys, I mean, they're like six lanes going each way. And after that, I said, I'm done. Because there's nothing beautiful about freeways in Miami. Just saying. But I did find some routes that had beauty, which caused me to enjoy the journey a little more. Some of y'all need to get off the freeways and start going down different routes. And I thought, at least I can see some beautiful trees. And there, were some, uh, uh, there was some beauty. Not much, but there was some. 
And I was looking for it, and I found some, and the rest of the week I, I took them that way because I didn't want to miss what little beauty there might be. And then number four, friends undervalued, and this is what I'm going to get to today, friends undervalued and God underestimated. Um, sometimes, how many of you ever feel like you've been taken for granted? Anybody in here? I, I've been nice, I've been a good friend, but I, it's been taken for granted. And, and I, I don't think people mean to do that. I really don't think that's the intention of most people. However, if we don't understand the value of having friendship relationships, sometimes that friendship doesn't blossom the way it could if we really just said, I just appreciate you. After, after the 930 service, there's a, a very dear friend of mine uh, in Texas that uh, this man to me is the picture of Christianity. He, he, is, he honestly looks for people that he can help. That's one of his things. Now, he's a multi-gazillionaire. He's a great guy. But he's just, he, it's not, you'd never know it. He's just always looking. He's the kind of friend that's always looking for some way to help somebody else. And he's, he's truly one of my dearest friends. I don't see him very often, but he's one of my dearest friends. And he's the kind of friend that I want to be. I want to be like him. And, and we have to identify people like that because he's raised the bar so high that I'm thinking, I want to move toward that kind. I want to be that kind of person. And John is that kind of person. And, and so you need to find somebody in your life that will cause you to really see the value of having good friends, and I'll get to more of that in a moment. And then God underestimated. We underestimate who God really is. I've said this all year long. This has been my mantra. I don't want to just love God. I want to learn to trust God. It's really easy to love God because God is love. He's lovable. He's kind. He's gracious. He's merciful. But the reality is, just to be really honest with you, trusting God sometimes is difficult. Now, I know that preachers aren't supposed to say that because you think we got it all together. We're the most jacked-up people. We, 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 got, we live in a lonely world, an isolated world, a world that very few people understand. If you do the math out of, you know, 300, 400 million people here, 7 billion people in the world, but in America, there are only about 400,000 churches and, and with 300 million. So think about how few people do what we do here. And I understand why, because it gets really, really, really lonely sometimes. You go, you make friends with people. The minute you say something they don't think you should say or act in a way you shouldn't act, and we can do just like you. We're just the same. We're just people that, you know, need a checkup from the neck up all the time. Because we, we just, you know, we're just that kind of people. And so we underestimate God's grace and God's mercy. And, and underestimate his power and his strength to affect our lives. Now, let me give you some, uh, some different categories for friendships, okay? Because this will help you. Because there are people that bring some things to your life that other friends won't bring to your life. How many of you know there are different kinds of friends? I mean, there are friends that you like being around because they just make you laugh. Then there are friends you like being around because they educate you. Brandon up here, one of our key worship guys, I, I just love talking to him because he's so smart. I mean, he's a great friend, but I love being around him, not because he necessarily makes me happy, though he does. He's a good guy, but he's so smart. And I ask him questions, and I'm just looking and going, where did you come up with that? It's awesome. He's that kind of friend to me. He imparts wisdom. He's so much younger than me. And it sometimes, well, I guess it kind of makes me sick. <laughs> and other things. 
So I want to be that smart, you know, and so he's just brilliant. So let me give you the first one. Everybody needs a crazy friend. You go, that's easy. <laughs> All of us have crazy friends. If you don't, you're isolated. Because there's more crazy in this world than you can shake a stick at. So the crazy friend is the person who constantly pushes you out of your comfort zone. They challenge you as a person, and together you do things that you would never do alone. They, they provide courage. They provide excitement. They provide something for you that you don't possess. That's, that's the crazy friend. And, and so you need somebody a little different than you. If, if you're hanging out with the people just like you, you're boring. Even if you're exciting, you're boring because I don't know if that makes sense. But you have this, like, Arkansas excitement. It's like, <laughs> handful of you got that one. Yeah, the state that invented the toothbrush. Moving right along. The honest friend. Sometimes you have to hear the truth even if it's harsh. You need that friend that, that will, will elevate you, that will challenge you. Iron sharpening iron. That's the friend that you can't be around all the time like you can the crazy friend because the honest friend will give you something to work on. They're going to make you better. They're going to they're challenge you. And, and they're going to sharpen you. And, and that's important. If, if you are a, in a negative relationship or slacking at work, some friends won't say anything. They'll just let you go on with your life. But then there are those friends who will challenge you and say, you can do better, you can be better, and here's how you do it. Show up five minutes early. Show up ten minutes early. Be on time. Those are the kinds of people that elevate you and say, you know what? You could get it promoted. You're smart. You're skilled. But, but you're lazy in your time management. You don't work well. You don't work hard. You don't work smart. And those are the kinds of friends that make you, take you to the next level. We need those kinds of friends in our lives. And, and it's hard because when you hear something that you know is true, but you didn't know anybody else knew it, but now that they've said it, that's a great friend. That's a friend that is to be valued. Then there's the long-term friend. The long-term friend has known you for years, and sometimes it seems like they know you better than you know yourself. They know all about your flaws and past mistakes, but they don't judge you, and they love you unconditionally. These, everybody needs, I've got these kinds of friends. I went to college many, many years ago, back in the early 1900s. <laughs> Just kidding. But it seems like that. These guys have been friends, and we get together every year. We started in 1999. We get together every year for about three or four days. They pastor big churches uh, throughout the country. And we just get together for three or four days, and we just talk. We just kind of sharpen each other. We don't talk throughout the year that much. But every year, it's like those three days are like we talk every week. And those are the kinds of people you go look and go, you know, we picked up right where we left off last year. And, and you need those kinds of friends, and you need to value those kinds of friends. And now, nowadays, with texting, you don't have to sit down and write a card. You can just hit it on your phone. And so what I try to do now is I try to use my smartphone in a smart way. Some people use a smartphone in a really dumb way. So a smartphone is designed to help you 
build relationships. And yet, here's the problem. Most of the time, we don't think about it that way. We're using it YouTubing and doing other things. But I challenge you, if you really value friends, just shoot them a text and say, here's how much I appreciate you. As I was preaching the, the 930 service, I began to think about this in my own life. In between services, I just texted my buddy John and just said, man, I just really appreciate you. Haven't seen him in, in several years. We've talked, but I haven't seen him face-to-face. He lives in South Texas. And uh, so just take the time to communicate value to the people in your life. And then uh, this is not purely uh, the right word, but this is the word I'm going to use. Uh, the gossipy friend. Not talking about other people, but venting when you have an issue that you can open up to them and say, here's what I went through today. It's been a tough day. It's been a tough week. How many of you know, I'm, now I'm not a good gossipy friend because if you start venting to me, I'm going to start fixing your problem. I, when you go gossip, I go honest. You know, it's, I, I become the honest friend. Look, here's what you need to do. And, and I will irritate you because if I see something you could be doing that you're not doing that, that would make you better, that's how come as a pastor I say get in church. I mean, I love online. If you're sick, if you're out of town, if you, know, if you can't make it to the house, whatever, watching online is great. But if you live in town and you're at your church, you need to be in church. You need to be in and have this experience. And people say, well, I just don't have time. Explain that to God. I mean, an hour and a half, two hours a week? Come on, folks. That's, that's such a small percentage that you need a calculator to even figure it. I mean, it's like minimal. And say, so, well, why am I not doing that? So as a pastor, it's very hard for me because people think I'm trying to pad numbers when in really reality, I'm trying to make you a better person. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as we see the day drawing near. That's in the Bible. God created the church. It wasn't our idea. It was his idea. And so the pandemic caused us to excuse ourselves from things that we should be doing. And any friend in my world, even if I'm a pastor, I'm going to tell you, get in church, man. Don't get too stinking excited. I can see all y'all at home jumping up and down. I want to get there. No, let me just tell you, friends are not always the people that tell you what you want to hear. They're oftentimes the people that tell you what you need to hear. And you may not like it, and you may get mad at them, but ask yourself the why. Why am I mad at them? They just told me something. I, I now treasure friends who, who challenge me to be better, to, to address the issues in my life that might prevent me from going further in my life. And one of the things I, I so love now is the idea that I'm old enough to where I go, you know what? I think we all love authenticity about as much as we love anything because authenticity keeps everything real. And we live in a very cosmetic world. I remember I was a theology student in, in, uh, at a private Christian university. And we're always, our, our, our professors were always provoking us to think. And I, you know, we, we were on campus. We'd be walking from building to building, class to class. And you'd see somebody you hadn't seen in a while. And you call them your friend. But they would ask you, you'd be walking at a pretty good pace, and they would be coming towards you, and they would look at you and say, how are you doing? Well, what's the pat answer for how you're doing? I'm doing great. When in reality, you may not be doing great, but neither one of you is going to take the time to discuss why you're not doing great. So there were times I thought, next time somebody asks me that, I'm just going to say, life sucks! 
And I can promise you, they'd say, great. They wouldn't even hear you. It's just an in-passing moment. We've got to be better friends than that. If somebody for a minute says not going real good, that's a risk too because when we tell somebody we're not good, doing real good, they go, oh, God, what a, okay. And then Christians do this. I'm Let me pray for you right now. And it's good. Prayer is great. But connecting to people and saying, what is the cause of your soul pain? Why are you hurting? What's going on? And they may oftentimes tell you, I don't really know, man. I've just been depressed lately. Well, you know, what can I do for you? Let me encourage you, you know, and just begin a conversation. But we're living in such a fast-paced world, and then we live in such a judgmental world. That, that we're, you know, if I have a friend that thinks differently than me and they do things I don't do, they're still my friend. Now, I may not participate in their activity, but I'm going to love them. A true friend doesn't judge you. They, they might be honest with us. How is this helping you? Is it contributing to, you, to a better life for you? A true friend would ask those questions. And then there's the work friend. You just kind of have a little bit of a connection, maybe based on what you do every day. You'll never hang out with them outside of work. But inside of work, they're kind of your go-to, your rock, if you will, that, that you guys don't hang around, you know, the water container talking about the boss and the man and the company while everybody else does. They're a safe friend for you. You need to be around people who make you better. And you need to be one of the people that makes everybody else better. It's what a friend does. It's not just what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? Jesus raised the bar so high that no greater love is anyone than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It's very important that we ask, what can I do for you instead of what can you always do for me? Number six, the loyal friend. This is my buddy John. This is the friend who you can tell all of your seekers to, and you know they will never tell anyone else. They don't judge you, and they will always be there for you. And I look at so many of you, and I'm, I'm so appreciative and thankful for you. I know some of you in ways I don't know others. Some of you are very good friends or personal friends. I talk to you. Others, I talk to you in the lobby. Others of you, I don't really know, but I consider you a friend in Christ. And the fact that you're here listening to me preach, I consider you a friend. You've looked beyond. You haven't judged me. You've looked beyond my crisis, and you've said, the Bible doesn't change. This is why I tell people, the messenger's all jacked up. Every messenger preaching today is messed up. They're not going to like this if they watch me, but they probably don't watch me anyway. But any messenger, preacher, pastor standing up today is an unclean vessel with a very pure message, hopefully. God doesn't depend on the perfect. His word is perfect. And he funnels that word through imperfection and imperfect people. So, and then lastly, the friend that you admire. Now, this may be a person you don't hang out with a lot, but you admire them, you respect them, and, and they have a conversation with you that, that takes you to a, a new level. A friend that may not have a lot of time. I, I'll never forget that when I first started the first church here in Oklahoma City with, as, as the senior pastor, uh, 
I got a call from, from John Osteen, Joel's daddy, and, and I'd known the Osteens, but I certainly didn't expect him to call me. And, and to say he was a friend, you'd say, well, did you hang out with him? No, but let me tell you, it was probably the greatest 45 minutes on the phone with anybody I've ever talked to. When I think about Lester Sumrall, who's now in heaven as well, one of the greatest missionaries ever that flew in, called and said, can I come and spend two to three days with you? I thought, yeah, you're going to be bored. I'm going to be excited, but you're going to be bored out of your mind. You've forgotten more than I know. But I got to spend two to three days with a spiritual giant, a hero, that I would, I would say he's a, a friend that I admired. He was somebody that, that I didn't get to spend a lot of time with, but when I did, it elevated me. So please understand, categorically, we typically have one design for friendship, and there are so many more designs for friendship than just one. This is a friend, and you expect everybody to act the same. I pray that you have diversity in friendships, that there are people that contribute to your life, you contribute to other people's lives, people that sharpen you, people that encourage you, people that are crazy friends that say, come on, man, we can do this. Let's, let's go jump out of an airplane. Gets real quiet on that one. A friend is someone who sees the pain in your eyes and the hesitation in your voice while everyone else believes the smile on your face. In other words, they're reading you for who you really are. They see through uh, all of the public persona that we put on to make everybody else believe we're okay. You know, and I, I failed at this miserably for so many years of, of just giving the presentation that everything was fine. And that's how come I tell people now, I will not live my life without requesting prayer from every one of you and helping everyone to believe we all need to pray for one another. I, I thought for a long time I was a spiritual superman that me and God could get through this alone. God never designed or created humanity to do life alone. We are called to develop friends and friendships that will help us through dark times. The challenge in our world today is everybody's on a path to take what somebody else has, to get it quickly. And, and it just, it's so disturbing to me that I've seen so much of this happen in the world in which we live. When I, when I think about Feed the Children and my dear friend Larry Jones who built this great organization, and in one day it was gone. And I, I'm probably not supposed to be talking about this, but I am. And it's just disturbing to me. This is my friend, and in one day, he and Francis built this great organization. It just pulled out from under him. And, and I, I, it's disturbing to me that rather than building them up and standing them up and propping them up and putting them in the... They didn't do that. And if you're one of the people watching me prayerfully, that you will change. That's painful. And we don't talk about this in church. It's like, we're, you know, no, we should talk about this in church. We ought to talk about all the dirty stuff. We talk about clean stuff in church. We don't talk about the painful stuff. That's why I'm doing this series on pain. There are people that are causing other people pain in the name of God, and that is not God. Amen. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Never be afraid to share with the right people what's going on. If you don't have people that you feel like you can share with you need to start finding people you can we were never designed to do life alone go through crises alone god created us to weep with those who weep mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice that's how god created us and i will never again live my life 
in isolation the way I did for 20 years. I felt so alone and so lonely for so long that it took me into a deep state of depression. And now I'm not there anymore. I'm free. I'm, I'm, I, I, I've decided that, that in my life you're going to perceive me however you want to perceive me. And I'm, I'm a lot more fun now. And there are times you probably would question whether I'm even saved. <laughs> Pray for me when you don't think I am. And for those of you who don't like me, I will be in heaven and I will be your neighbor if you're mean. Because God will put me there to keep working on you. Public persona. We've all seen people on stages, secular and Christian, that we just kind of go, wow, I bet you they're awesome. And I've seen some of them behind the scenes and they're miserable. They do what they do and they're really good at it. But behind the scenes, I'm not saying they're bad people, not Christians. I'm just saying they're lonely, they're miserable, they're angry, they're hurt, they're frustrated. And, and sometimes all they want is a friend, but they don't know how to be a friend, so they don't know how to get a friend. If you want to get a friend, be a friend, and be the kind of friend other people want to have. It all begins right here. And I, I measure now, and this is really a long time in coming, but I look at people, and, and, and I, if I really want to know who you are, all I got to do is come up and ask you who your friends are. And then I can go talk to your friends, and then I'll know who you are. And there are some people who go, I can't name friends. I, I, you know, or they'll say they have friends. I say, when's the last time you talked to them? You've got to have friends that you talk to regularly, daily, weekly, monthly, annually, every five years. Uh, different categories. No, because my friends are so busy, the, the ones that are pastors, I can't talk to them every week. I mean, we're, we're, everybody's going just 90 to nothing, and I can't talk to them every week. But then there are people I like to talk to on a regular basis. And if I don't, I'm thinking, I need to pick up the phone and call them. And you're waiting on them to call you, and guess what? Jesus will return before you all reconnect. Because both of you are in the waiting zone. I have this policy, never burn bridges, just close them for repair. Sometimes people burn bridges, so I, and you, just, you get mad, and you blow up, and you flare up, and you flare out, and it's over. No, no don't, don't burn bridges. There are people who will be stupid in a moment. Some of them are your friends. <laughs> just close that bridge for repair. Don't set fire to it. Because you never know what God's doing in the midst of that relationship. He might be refining that, that relationship. I mean, I, I'm leaning more toward Jesus and then Will Rogers. Never met a person I didn't like. I've met a lot of people I don't want to hang out with. But I want to be the guy that says, I never, never met a person I didn't like. There's one on my list right now at the very top. <laughs> Jesus, help me. I probably ought to leave that alone. Let's go to God underestimated before I get grilled. And I kind of I'm 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 descending into a landing here, so you're good. 
God underestimated. When's the last time you asked God for something that was so out of reach that you would consider it impossible? We simply usually pray very simple prayers. I mean, let me put it this way. If you have a muscle car and you only drive 50, sell it and get a Prius. I mean, it's just stupid to have all that muscle and you never get on it. I mean, risk getting a ticket, okay? Press it. I had my grandkids, and I, I've, got, I've got a little bit of a muscle car and that I, I don't drive very much, but when I do, I drive it. And my grandson, who's seven, says, Pops, can you make that sound again? I said, I'm so glad you asked. If an officer pulls me over, I said, my grandson wanted me to tromp on it. He likes the sound of the pipes. And I think I'd probably get off with a minimum ticket. But, but here's the thing. We serve a God where nothing is impossible, and we pray for him to pay the electric bill. Stop asking God for that. Say, God, you know what? I just, I need more money. I just, I need to be a bigger house. I need a better car. It's like we say, oh, God, help me get a new spare tire. God's going, I want to give you a whole other car, full tires and everything. You see what I'm saying? We don't pray big enough prayers. We underestimate the power of God, the ability of God, the desire of God, the will of God. Those who delight themselves in the Lord, he said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. There are times I pray such big prayers, I have to go back and repent for praying them sometimes. God, I'm so sorry I just asked for that, but I'm going to ask again. I want to believe God for something that, that absolutely without Him would never happen. Actually, I'm believing God for our own building. I'm asking God, just God, God give me our own building. I don't want to rent a building anymore. I want our own building. So if any of y'all are praying, you think about Mark Anthony. Oh, crow. <laughs> Say, God, give him another building. I know you know this operative word give. I don't want to buy one. Now, see, some of you are irritated right now because I just elevated so much. I can't believe you would ask for that. No, ask big. Don't underestimate God. God is able to do more than we can think or imagine, which somebody tried to, got mad at me for using that. Imagine, imagine. It's not in the Bible. It is. Ephesians 3.20, it's in the Bible. He can do more than we can think or imagine according to the power that's working us. How much power is God working in your life? If you've got the horsepower, use it. Otherwise, shoot for gas mileage. I'm shooting for more power. Uh, 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 uh. Luke one thirty seven. Nothing's impossible with God. Psalm eighteen thirty five. You give me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. And you know what? Here's the problem: people who are religious will get mad at you for saying. God wants me to be great. Not in the secular sense of the world, but God has greatness in you. You should be the top 
of the chain. You should be it. We have Christians watching people who don't even believe in God excel and do great. And rather than believe in God for what's going on in their life, we criticize them for the success they're experiencing. Don't criticize people who are successful. Take them to coffee. Become their friend, the one who's going to help make you better. But they're not a Christian. How many of you know some non-Christians have some really great ideas? But religious people don't like hanging around listening to non-religious people or non-Christian people. And I look and say, I, I, you know, if God puts you around me in my life, I'm asking you questions. I spend time with people all the time, just moments in the street talking to neighbors. And, and it's really funny. Some of you all would think I'd be correcting their language. I'm sitting there listening. I don't care what language they're using. Give me something smart. You see what I'm saying? We're judging people. Instead of listening to people and saying, how can I become a friend? How can I learn? Great minds have purposes. Other minds have wishes. Little minds are tamed and subdued by misfortune. But great minds rise above them. I haven't known anyone who has been successful that has not faced great adversity. The problem is many people, when adversity gets to the breaking point, they break. Instead of when you get to the breaking point, that's the point of making, not breaking. You determine more than ever, I will not quit. I will not quit. Depression, darkness, Fear is swept across the globe like never before. The battles that people are having are like never before. But we serve a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who took them across the Jordan, the Red Sea, who dropped the walls of Jericho. That's the God that we serve. Think about all the great people of the Bible imprisoned. Paul in prison says, I don't care who's preaching, just this, the gospel's preached. Peter says, I, I don't deserve to be crucified right side up. I, turn me upside down. John boiled in oil. These are people that said, God, in God I will trust. They never underestimated him. If I die, I live. Forever and ever and ever. Get in church. Get in faith. Believe God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God who does the impossible if we'll let you. So, Lord, today we set our hearts to allow you to work in us and through us. We surrender our will to your will, our weakness to your power, to your strength. Work in us and through us today, God. We refuse to honor the pain, to embrace the pain. We're going to overcome the pain. Make us friends that friends would want to have. Lord, may we no longer underestimate your power, your strength, your glory. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to pray a prayer as we do every week. 
giving those of you an opportunity that have not received Christ to receive Him today. So I want to ask everyone here in the building to pray this with me. And those of you watching online, say this. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only Son to suffer, to die for my pain, for my sin. Jesus, today, I thank you that you gave your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That simple prayer makes all the difference in the world. That prayer does not maybe change exactly everything that we're going to do today or the way we're going to behave, but it changes our eternity by opening our hearts and allowing Jesus to come in. So if you prayed that prayer today, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED. If this is for you to be saved, say, I, I got saved today. Text the word SAVED to 405 and put your name in there. We'll pray for you throughout this week that this is the beginning of, of a, a brand new life for you. Again, text the word SAVE to 405-513-10. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.